Now you're very welcome along. It is the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday morning. It's the 12th of May. Pori Corkin, good morning good to morning, you. Dear, good, good morning, dear to good morning, listeners. Beautiful morning out there, isn't it? Isn't it? Oh, Absolutely yeah. fantastic. You know, we've had a very mixed week uh, weather-wise, and I don't want to be dwelling on the weather. And I did say this at the start of the programme. Yesterday I was talking to somebody, and uh, yesterday it was a bit of, you know, one half hour was hail and the other half hour was mm. sunshine. And he, he came into our office and he, he said, well... The only kind of forecast you can give at the moment is about the one that gives you five minutes down the line because after that it's impossible to Mixed tell what weather. it's yeah, going to be like. I thought it was a great bit. way of saying it. But uh, yeah, it, but this morning is gorgeous. Great yeah. heat. Yeah, yeah. And a great, great time to get back into the garden again. Uh, so lots to do. And we're coming into that time of year like May. The risk of frost and so on is going to be is going to be uh, slipping away now. So things like the bedding plants and the vegetable plants and so on can be put out into the garden from now on once we get into the middle of May. So there's lots to be done and a lot of people have to catch up on, I suppose, um, the gardening year because it has been a slow year, mm. uh, particularly with the late frost and with the amount of rain we have in a- April. So um, lots to be done in the garden and this sort of weather is just ideal. Yeah, and I noticed myself as well, you know, where we kind of had a bit of a lull on the grass growing there for maybe a couple of weeks. It, yeah. It's kind of coming back. You're back to cutting it once a week, are you? <laughs> well, let's just say it'll probably come out. The lawnmower's going to come out this afternoon, yeah. I suspect. Well, this sort of weather, you're going yeah. to, you know, as we go through May, of course, the grass growth and, and growth in general. I mean, you can see the trees, they're well behind this year, but they are breaking bud and there's going to be a lot of growth. And with that high level of moisture we've got during this week, there's been very heavy rain at night time. Uh, once we get the temperatures, you're going to see really strong accelerated growth, be it on trees or shrubs or weeds or whatever grass growth. So very quickly and the garden will start to burst into colour. Okay. So we're looking forward to that. We are, yeah, because I think we, 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 it's kind of, gone, come on, come yeah, on. Yeah. And now, if that it is that little bit later, shall we say, yeah. will we have a slightly more prolonged period then? Will it? Will, will we benefit from it on the other side? Well, or is, is that weather dependent as well? It's weather dependent, of yeah. course. Uh, but there is a long gardening season yet. I mean, we'll be gardening right up to September into October and things like the bedding plants and the hanging basket plants and the vegetables in general. People conti- continue to plant right through May, June, right into July even from seed and from plants so there's very much a long growing season yet I mean right. we have another five or six months yet of, of actual growth um, you know but I suppose it has been a slow start definitely Okay but hopefully we'll have uh, ah, yeah, lots, we to, will, lots to look forward to. to be done Now you have brought in some herbs this some morning because we touched on herbs last week we I think somebody indeed. was asking about them and I have to say I might have the odd pot I might have some level of success at home with a few herbs <laughs> but I'm afraid I've been put in the top of the Hapenu place. I think Porig just is showing off. If you have a webcam, you should have a look in and see. Um, Big pots of herbs. Yeah, sage. I know that's sage anyway. Yeah, this is a broadleafed sage. It's a, quite it's a big, big ver- yeah. very big leaf variety. Very easy to grow. Sage, of course, is perennial. Uh, once you have it in the garden, it makes quite a nice, attractive shrub. It tends to be semi-evergreen. It'll hold most of its foliage for the winter. And then it's got those lovely uh, purpley violet flowers then throughout the summer. Uh, but a very good plant, good to plant it at this time of year. And herbs in general, dear, can be sown from seed. Yep. But also if you want something for picking straight away, large pots of herbs are available like this or even smaller pots. Same with the oregano which I brought in and uh, again oregano is a perennial herb very easy to grow um, it's one that will form a nice size shrub with again those kind of lilac pink flowers throughout the summer and it's funny enough it's a herb that is the, the, the flavour and it tends to be stronger when it's dried so it's often yes. a herb that you can pick on a regular basis and dry it and um, the, the flavour is, is very intense. So this is a great time of year to plant herbs and these will suit containers 
large tubs, you know, somewhere bright, somewhere sunny is really what they're looking for. Um, and these are frost hardy varieties. And many of the herbs are like the, the rosemary, the lavenders, thymes, all the poplar herbs, chives, of course, um, can be grown out of doors and left out of doors for many years. Um, and most of them will form nicely. Some of the herbaceous, like the oregano, it will die back at the yeah. end of the year. Others like the sage and the rosemary tend to be more shrubby in nature. So you can plant them in your shrub borders as well. Yeah. Bay leaf would be another great example, which, you know, it retains the foliage all year round. So it's a good time to plant herbs, great time to plant them in the garden. Do remember they are Mediterranean plants in the main, they, you know, they come from hotter climates, they like a sunny location, they like a free draining soil. So I would advocate adding some sand or grit or, or uh, gravel into the soil. And if anything, they dislike a very rich soil. You tend to get a lot of leafy growth and soft growth if the if the, uh, the the soil is very heavy. So adding in a bit of sand, a bit of grit is a good idea when planting them. And that's why they do so well in containers because, you know, occasionally they will start to dry out mm. and that's no harm. It te- tends to keep the foliage and growth back. And as I said last week, you tend to get a more intense, the essential oils tend to be more concentrated if they're kept sl- slightly on the dry side. Right. Um, so a bright sunny location, a good time to plant them out into the garden. You can get them in large plants like this. Yeah, I've or never you, seen that broadleaved uh, sage before. It's a lovely variety. Well, yeah. there's many different varieties of sage. Some some yeah. with purple foliage. Yes, actually. Yeah. Yeah. My mum has some um, in her, and it's in the border. It's out, outside. Yeah. And does really, really well, but it is the smaller leaf and it will be purple. Purple, nice yeah. purple foliage. Mm. That's purpria. So it's a nice purple variety, but there's many different varieties of them, um, but they're all equally as hardy very easy to grow and um, it's a good time to put herbs in the garden. As I said last week, basil is probably the one I'd still keep indoors for, you know, certainly till July um, and it's probably better off growing indoors. Indoors all the time really. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, something to do stuff. in the garden. Yeah, and I have to say, for people who maybe have always thought about um, sowing herbs but maybe haven't gotten around to it, there's nothing like when you're cooking to be able to go out and pull a few leaves uh, for something and chop it up and throw it in because Absolutely. it just ha- there's such a level of satisfaction and they are just so good gorgeous and fresh. Yeah, they don't compare to the, yeah. you know, the, the dried yeah. herbs no, you buy. I no, mean, you can't, nothing like buying them fresh. No, it now, is. they will dry mm. if you want, if you want to cut them on a regular basis and dry them. Um, and people often put them in with ice cubes and so on to hold them. So it's, Indeed. you know, crop them and prune them and, and that I suppose is characteristic of herbs they tend to do better if you're trimming them on a regular basis because the pruning and the trimming back encourages new growth so even if you're not going to be using them say you have rocket in the garden mm. and you're not actually using the foliage you're better off to trim it back feed it and allow the fresh growth to come again because like any plant herbs are they try to propagate themselves, they try to flower and produce seed and they'll put all their energy into doing that. So by trimming them back occasionally maybe once a month, even if you're not using the the foliage, um, is a very good idea and you'll get them to come back into fresh growth and back into flower then later on this summer. Yeah, brilliant. No, if you, if I, I suppose traditionally we're <clears throat> we're good old parsley and chive people yeah. in Ireland, but we are improving yeah. and stretching our our, our, our boundaries as well. Exactly, bit. exactly. Yeah, I was in somebody's house recently that there was lemon something or lemon no, scented bam. There was a chocolate, a chocolate mint or something. Oh yeah, but with the mints coming. I just so- thought that was amazing. Yeah. Mints come in so many different yeah. varieties, but again, characteristic of mints, you need to keep them well oh, confined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in their own pot. Yeah, you need to Don't keep them controlled. That one in the border. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> okay, lovely stuff. Now, we do have quite a few questions, okay. so we're going to take a quick break first of all, Porik, right. and then we're going to come to people's questions. So, um, if you do have a question for Porik this morning, it's 0818 3055, and Teresa is taking calls. Okay, we're back in a few moments. 
now you're very welcome back at 16 minutes past nine. Porik, last week on the programme we were talking a little bit about Bloom and I know you had some tickets that we you were indeed. giving we away. Great, How did that go? We got a fantastic response, great response to it. But we, the good news is we have a, a couple more tickets oh. to give away. So I've kept the competition up on the website. So you simply just go to gardencentre.ie. Uh, right at the bottom of the page you'll see the uh, entry for Bloom you click on that and um, just follow the instructions and the question is send us a couple of lines on why you like gardening okay. so it's as simple, simple as, that. as that but Bloom is great it's, it's the bank holiday weekend uh, it's over five days this year from Thursday to Monday um, and you know they're going to have 30 or 40 gardens there for people to see and all the food and you know great day out great family day out mm. so I'd, I would advise if you don't win a ticket go anyway it's well worth a, and it's, a day it's trip. it's in the Phoenix Park, isn't it's it? It's in the Phoenix Park. Um, runs from the 31st of May from memory to, I think it's the 4th of June, right through the bank holiday weekend. And uh, it's well worth, well worth seeing and we'll, you'll pick up a lot of advice and tips and hints. So go to our website, gardencentre.ie, right down at the bottom of the page. You'll see the Bloom uh, little advert. Click on that and send us a, an email and we'll... We'll put you in the draw for some tickets. Okay, so good luck if you're entering for that. And uh, it is a great uh, experience, Flume, if you're going along to enjoy. Now, questions for you, Porek. Uh, starting off with a new greenhouse. Somebody has a new yeah. greenhouse, lots of young plants. What's the best great. way to keep them moist? Well, uh, what I would do is is get some trays. Get some. Uh, you can get specific watering trays, which you simply just sit your plants into the tray, and it's probably the easiest way. Plants are often better watered from underneath, allowing the moisture, allowing them to sit in water, and allowing the, the compost to, to soak up the water. Now, you don't leave them sitting in water for more than five or ten minutes. Right. That's enough time. So make sure they're not standing in water at any one time. And within those trays, you can get a simple capillary mat, which is a small bit of, it's like underlay of carpet that sits in the tray and helps to hold the moisture. So if you've got a lot of small pots, then my advice is to get a couple of trays, sit them in the, in the greenhouse or sit, sit them up on the benching, put some capillary matting, put your water in and just leave them simply sitting on that. And the plants will let you know when they need more water because obviously they'll have, they'll have soaked up the, the moisture very quickly. In the greenhouse at this time of year, you, watering should be done about once a week should be sufficient, particularly on small plants and that'll increase then as we go through the summer. Things like tomatoes and cucumbers, the fruiting plants will need daily watering as we go into kind of June, July, August as they're forming their fruitlets. So as they're small, be careful that you don't overwater because that can be one of the biggest damaging effects to young plants the roots just rot away and if anything I would ebb on the side of underwatering because right. if the plant is slightly you know collapsing yes, because yeah. of lack of water a quick water will, will perk we'll it up it again up. whereas if it's sitting in, in water or, or in wet compost for days on end the roots will just rot away and your plants will fail so always keep them slightly on the underwatering side and you'll, you'll tend to get into the habit I mean this listener is new to it but you'll mm. get into the habit of just lifting an odd pot and the weight of the pot will, will indicate whether it needs watering as well. So just get used to lifting a couple of them and that'll give you a good indication as well. But for me, the simple thing is to get some trays, put some capillary matting in um, and indeed when you're feeding the plants later on in the summer, you, you can s- simply do that as well. Mix it through the water, pour it into the trays and the plants will absorb it up through their their uh, the uh, little pots. The other thing you can do is to get a little irrigation set. Mm. So you can okay. purchase a small irrigation set that you can set up in the greenhouse. And it's a simple, it's attached to your hose. Yeah. Um, you can often put a little timer onto the onto the tap and have a time so that it comes on maybe for an, half an hour a day or a ha- half an hour a week or whatever it is, whatever you're mm. growing. So you could look into that in irrigation set. But just, if it's just a couple of plants, then the trays for me work brilliantly. Okay. And they're a quick and easy way to keep the plants 
moist. Well, moist. Yeah. Okay. And better, better, as I say, to keep to try and water plants from the underneath because sometimes when the leaves are wet, you're you're inviting diseases right. onto the leaf. Um, you you know, and, and the plants will, will you'll tend to find them growing better if they're absorbing. The, uh, it helps to encourage the roots to go down quickly into the compost and down to where the water is. Okay. So underwatering or from the, the bottom is often an awful lot better. Okay, good luck with your new greenhouse. Now, some of this is, I, 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 my heart is going out to this person. There's a person with an ash tree that's over 100 years old, right. Porrick. My God. The ash tree, however, is not doing all that well in the past two years and it looks as if it's dying. Well, I mean, a 100-year ash tree, I mean, you would expect some of the branches to be dying, of course. And ash are very late into leaf. Um, I was just looking at them actually during the week this, this week and they're very, very late this year. They're, they're really only breaking bud and, you know, there's a small amount of growth on them. Uh, whereas, you know, in a normally in May, that that certainly would be a lot more advanced. Mm. So they are behind this year. Um, any dead wood that's on the tree, I would certainly remove it. So anything that's not breaking bud, that's dead, um, that's rotting, you should cut that out. Any wounds that are larger than four or five inches, treat them with the arbrics that are the uh, my the. Um, what is it, Porik? Mypex, I think it's called. Um, oh, sorry, the Mido, the Mido treatment. Put that on the cut stems if they're over four to six inches in diameter because that'll seal the wounds. And the other thing you could do is give it a good feed, a granulated feed. Now, a 100-year-old ash tree, you'd want to be putting on about five or six handfuls of a granulated shrub fertiliser and that'll help to perk it up as okay. well. But, you know, it's, it's old. Yes. And naturally enough, a tree of that age, you're going to get uh, a certain amount of the, the, the vigour will have gone out of it. And over time, you know, you're going to find that tree kind of slowing down. And naturally, uh, dead wood starts to come into it, disease starts to come into it. And, you know. Yeah. Over- and that's, I suppose, just on that. Do trees have like a, a life cycle the way other living of beings, the, you know, would like, do they eventually like us die? All, like yeah, us all. Not to be negative about yeah. things or anything. And a lot depends on, on you know, the, where they're growing, the fertility of the soil. Uh, you know, lots of, of factors, yeah. uh, of course, contribute to the, right. to, the, to the age of the tree. But ash, like 100-year-old ash would be quite common. They are a long-lived tree, like beech, like chestnut. Um, but having said that, you know, 100 years... The tree is going to be slowing down. Of course, it is. Its 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 root structure has probably gone as far as it, it, it can go. go. Right. It has taken all the nutrition from that area. You know, over the, over that period of time. Now, you can certainly help it by by giving it some fertilizer. But you know, inevitably, that tree. Now, ash. The the, the thing about ash as well is that they do respond to pruning, and pruning. I wouldn't really advocate in this tree, but mm. certainly in, a, in say in a younger tree, a forty or fifty year old tree, pruning ash back stimulates new growth. They respond very, very well to pruning, and um, you know. So by doing that, you're replacing a lot of the dead wood with, with fresh growth, with young growth. But 100 years old, you know, you'd expect it to be slowing down. Okay, um, getting so. into retirement. <laughs> Right. Well, hopefully it's not quite retired. No, and I, so I yeah. would tidy it up, <laughs> yeah. prune out anything that's dead or damaged, uh, put the Mido treatment on it if you are pruning back some of the stems. And you can do it at this time of year. And a good granulated feed, a tree and shrub feed, will certainly uh, help it along and, and give it a new vitality. Okay, great stuff. Well, good luck, and I hope that that uh, comes back uh, and gives you another couple of years of pleasure. Now, somebody is looking, uh, Porik, for some nice colour for borders for May and June. Yeah, good time of year to start planting now. And as I said earlier, the the, the frost, we should have seen the last of the frost this time of year. So you could be thinking about some of your bedding plants to add colour. Nemesia is a lovely plant that comes into flower um, 
in mid-May and flowers right through till July, August sort of period. So that's Nemesia. It's a lovely little dwarf plant, about six inches in height. Um, comes in a whole range of different colours and uh, now is a good time to plant it. And even if the weather gets a little bit cold, Nemesia is one of those plants that can actually tolerate a bit of cold conditions. Pansies at the moment are giving great colour. Violas giving terrific colour at the moment okay. um, you can, if you want something maybe perennial that'll come every year you could things about things like dianthus the little dwarf carnations are flowering at the moment and giving great great show of colour and they're quite short campanula which flowers every year it's nice blue flowers um, again gives, a, gives a, a lot of colour for the summer period aquilegia the granny's bonnet I think we talked about it a couple of weeks back mm-hmm. that's giving great colour at the moment and comes a range of different colours a still bay which again is the um, the, the old spirea, it's a dwarf plant, grows to about maybe a foot, eight and inches in height, and comes in a range of colours as well at this time of year. Alstromeria, which again is coming into flower at the moment. So there's a lot, and they're, all of those are perennial. They come into flower in May and June every year. So planting them now, you'll get colour over the next two to three months, but next year you'll have colour at this time of year as well. Okay, so there's so lots. I would just look at go to your local garden centre, look for some of the perennials, the herbaceous perennials, the cottage garden plants, and those that I mentioned, the Alstromerias, the Estilbes, the Campanulas, they give lots of colour from now. And they'll just be coming into colour now, so you can actually pick the flower that you particularly like. Yeah, yeah. And then maybe add a few Nemesia, just to add a little bit of of colour, uh, added colour, um, you know, something vibrant, very vibrant. They're, they're oranges and whites and purples and pinks uh, in the in the Nemesia, which would be nice just to fill in a few gaps. Lovely. But there's lots available at this time okay. of year, coming into a great time of year for, for colour. Yeah, and you can really see them when they're coming, as, as, as they're coming into flowers. That's so it, it they're just a... breaking bud now at the moment, many of them, so you can pick them, you're picking them at the right time. Okay. Now, here's a new one for me. A wedding cake tree. Yeah. What's a wedding cake tree? The wedding cake tree is, is um, one of the cor- in the Cornus family. Um, and the reason it's called that is because it, it grows in perfect layers. So when oh. you look at it from a distance, yeah. you'll have uh, a, 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 a branches coming out horizontally. Yeah. Uh, the, there's a couple of different varieties, but the best variety is the variegated um, wedding cake tree. It's got beautiful variegated foliage, white flowers, and the branches come out literally horizontal to the main stem. And then you have a gap, and then you have another series of, oh. another tier, isn't that what we yes, call them? Tears, tiers. Yes, tears, yes. So you have tiers of branches going up, exactly like a wedding, a wedding, wedding, cake. A wedding cake. Yeah, and that's how it gets its name. Beautiful plant, though. It's in the Cornus family. Um, Cornus controversia variegata is the actual variety that I would plant. Beautiful plant. It will grow in height anything up to 20 feet. Okay, well, it's a, it's a height issue that we have with All this right, particular okay. one. Yeah. It's very tall, and they're wondering, um, how do you feed it? Well, there's no problem feeding it. Um, you, you use a, a traditional tree and shrub fertiliser okay. on it. So get yourself a, a, a tub of um, a good tree and shrub feed, sprinkle it around the base of it. Now is a great time to do it because they've just come into leaf. Um, the, the wedding cake tree, they're beautiful at the moment. Uh, but it's a lovely plant. If you want something a little bit different, it is slow growing. Okay. And uh, But if you want something as a kind of a specimen plant in the garden, it really is, I suppose, a tree because it does grow 15 to 20 feet in height. So treat it as a tree rather than a shrub. And don't plant too many plants around the base of it because you want to be able to see those layers as it grows uh, and give it space because the plant itself can spread anything up to 10 feet in diameter. So it's a great plant to fill a gap or if you had a vista down, looking down at the bottom of your garden, it's a tree I would plant to the bottom of the garden so you're looking down at it and into it. Right. Um, but a lovely plant. So that's Cornus Controversia Variegata, the, the wedding cake tree. Uh, it does come in a green leaf variety as well but it's just not as attractive. And the added bonus is you get lovely white flowers uh, in, in kind of early summer and fantastic autumn colour 
So the, the stems are actually red, but the leaves themselves, they go from the variegated colour to a lovely orange or red as we come into winter. So really nice specimen tree. You don't see it too often, but mm. when you do see it, you'll remember it. And does it, uh, does it, does it grow out wide? Obviously it grows About, tall. It grows in height 15 to 20 feet. Now yeah. Again, it, a lot will depend on the site you put into it. I yeah. would, you know, It's not a tree I would necessarily plant in a very exposed garden. It's okay. one for a nice sheltered garden. It would be nice if you had a dark background, say dark lelandii or dark privet, and you wanted to add a bit it of colour because it's very, it's very bright it's very bright. colourful it's, it's yellow and green leaves white flowers so very very bright very uh, distinctive and you'll see it from a long distance okay. in diameter it'll grow anything up to 10 feet in diameter right. and often more if, yeah. if it's in a really sheltered garden um, and it's not a tree that, that responds well to pruning because if you prune the top of it yeah. you tend to destroy or, or certainly start sending shoots in all directions so it's not the type of plant. Now, it won't grow much higher than 15 to 20 feet. Right. It sound, that sounds very big, but it's not actually. Yeah. I know you're I, looking up at the roof well, there. Well, I'm not. <laughs> but it's I'm not really. Four foot something, so. if, you, if, you think, if you think a flowering cherry will grow to 30 yeah. feet or, a, or a, a purple maple might grow up to 30, 40 yes. feet. Yeah. It's a relatively, it's, 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 it's a medium, okay. yeah. you know, medium sized tree, really. But a really nice plant. It is slow growing, so it's not going to take over the garden. And if I was to plant one specimen plant in the garden, that's the one I'd plant. Cornus controversia variegata, a lovely thing. You're giving me ideas, Park. There you go. Um, right, well, hopefully your wedding cake tree uh, is coming on grand and... Uh, and feed it, by all yeah, means. And, it. and give it another feed, maybe, at the end of June, early July. It'll be actively growing over the next six to eight weeks. Okay. Well, the grass frost, now, we have had a bit of grass frost. And even uh, as late as last night, when I came out, there was a bit of frost in my windshield this morning. Uh, will it damage buds on potatoes that are still sprouting? Um, it, it can do, it can do. And if potatoes are, are breaking the soil surface, um, now, you know, to be honest, you would need relatively heavy frost to damage potato stems. Um, and the, the level of frost we're getting at the moment is quite light. So if the, if the listener is worried, I would just cover over, just mould up your potatoes, just add a little extra bit of soil to the tops of the potatoes. Worst case scenario, if the, if the top does get burnt, the mm. potato will reshoot again. Right. It's only, it'll only stunt the plant back for maybe two weeks so you'll lose that kind of two weeks of growth as the potato starts to reshoot again. Um, and, you know, really we're going to be seeing the end of the frost from now on. So if there were, if it's a small area, maybe a small couple of ridges, yes, go out with the spade today and just cover them over. But to be honest, I'm not going to bother covering mine. Right. You know, I, I, I'd leave them. I need to get a slight bit of browning on the top. They'll grow out of it anyway. Okay, so it's, it's not going to kill the plant not, per se. Yeah, the, the yeah. penetrating frost that you get in February and March and, and the early part of April, that is finished now. Yeah. You'll get a very light... Yeah, like, it's like only, you've got, it is only a Exactly, water, yeah. and, you, and I don't think you're going to see any... Uh, significant damage on potatoes to be honest to this time of year. Okay and hopefully it's near an end anyway. Uh, now what weed killer can you use on cabbage plants and onions? Well there isn't one to be honest um, I, I spoke I suppose last week about mm. linuron for potatoes and for carrots which is safe to use but there isn't any weed killer that you can use safely where you've planted cabbage and onions. Now if the listener hadn't planted them just yet and was preparing a new piece of ground and there's some weeds there then you could use something like 360 which would kill the weeds without contaminating the soil and you could put in your new cabbage plants and onions and lettuce and whatever you want but the fact that they're growing in the bed at the moment my advice to get out the garden hoe a day like today is the day to do hoeing because you need the sunlight the weeds will die within a couple of within half an hour of, of um, scuttling them out with the, with the hoe so I would use the garden hoe or just hand weed don't be using weed killers in, in around your cabbage and your onions and uh, you know once the plants have come through the soil apart from carrots 
um, then you know the, the, there is no weed killer that will differentiate between a cabbage and an onion and a weed. Okay. So Love get out the garden hoe and, and right, today will be a great day to do it. Okay, good stuff. <coughs> um, now, somebody's wondering, what's uh, honeysuckle has gone very high. Can you cut it now? Well, you can cut it, but the only thing is, if you cut it now, you're going to lose the flowering for this year. So the, the really the, the right time to prune honeysuckle back is uh, late autumn, early winter or very early spring. So honeysuckle is going to start flowering in June and if you prune it today, then it will come back into growth, certainly. So mm. if, if it's gone very tatty and, and gone very wild and you, you can forsake the flowers for this year, well then by all means you can prune it and prune it quite severely back. You'll get lots of new growth and on that new growth it'll flower next summer. So you lose a year of flowering if you prune it severely. But it's often not a bad idea to do that because you're going to rejuvenate the plant. You're going to get lots of new growth. Okay, you won't get any blooms this year or very little, but this time next year it'll be an absolute picture or by June of next year it'll be an absolute picture. So if you are pruning it back, Mm. feed it well, feed it again about the end of June and start to train the new stems in the direction that you want to grow so it doesn't end up as a mess. So train them out horizontally um, across a a little bit of support or wire, feed it well and you get lots of new growth um, and on that growth then it'll flower the following June and July. Okay, you'll have that lovely scent as well. Beautiful plant, mm. beautiful. But if you do want the flowers this year, then don't prune it until okay, winter until time or early spring of next year. Okay. Now, how would you stop rabbits from eating flowers on a grave? Uh, well, the best treatment to use is, is a thing called grazers. It's specifically for rabbits, hares, pigeons, any of the, the, the um, foliage tearing or foliage eating uh, um, animals. So rabbits, hares, deer, pigeons, anything like that that's mm. affecting vegetables or flowers or on, on a grave or indeed in the garden in general. It's a thing called grazers. You mix it in water. You apply it. You can actually apply it to the foliage of the plants that you want to protect. There's calcium in it, so there's nothing harmful in it that's going to damage the, 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 the rabbits, but the taste of it they dislike. And you can, I suppose on a grave, you can imagine yes. people aren't there on a regular basis, no, so are, yeah. it can be they can be quite destructive. So if you just apply that, mix it up in water, apply it to the plants that are on the grave, and that'll keep the rabbits and hares and pigeons and anything else away from them. Won't stop the slugs, mind you. Okay, <laughs> you need something else for that. Always so that's a the thing. That's a treatment called grazers. It's made from calcium, um, which is a, similar to lime, and and it's just the taste of it they dislike and that'll send them scurrying somewhere else. Okay, good, yeah, because a lot of people have uh, difficulties with rabbits. Yeah, well, you can not imagine. Just, and grade, this time just, of year, yeah. they're, you know, they're young. They're, and they're yeah. prolific. Exactly. And, uh, exactly. They are a challenge, definitely, for all gardeners, I think, particularly if you live anywhere in the countryside. Uh, now, Porik, this is another new one for me, a yellow wigilia. It's yeah. very leggy. Can someone cut it back to shape it? Well, the answer, again, like the honeysuckle, right. is you, you can cut it back, but wigilia comes into flower again in, in June, July, and you know the pruning. If you prune it now, you're going to forsake the flowers for this year. Okay. So again, if 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 you're not too worried about the flowers and you want to grow, because it, this is a variegated variety, it's got lovely foliage colour. So if you pruned it today and pruned it, you can prune it quite severely and feed it. Then within a month, they'll have beautiful. A fresh crop of, of new stems and new leaves and it'll be quite a, an attractive plant it does bear a nice pink flower um, but as I say if you cut it now you won't have the flower for this year but it will flower next, next summer Okay. Yeah. yeah. and uh, we're going to take a quick break but just before we go there somebody has ivy growing on the front wall of their house and they're okay. wondering what other climbers can they put with it for either scent or flowers ok well ivy is great because it uh, not only does it add foliage colour all year round but it self clings it actually you don't need any trellis work or wires it'll actually root to itself so it offers a great structure for other 
climbing plants that need some support. So I would oh, be thinking nice. straight away, honeysuckle yes, that we mentioned yes. would be ideal. Mm. Um, so you could plant, there's a lovely variety called Gold Flame, which is a, a late flowering honeysuckle variety, quite a nice one. But there's lots of different varieties. Um, clematis for me would be good as well. And again, maybe varieties like Nelly Mose or Hagley Hybrid. There's lots of the summer flowering clematis that would just scramble up through the ivy that use the ivy for support and the flowers would pop out through the ivy and give it lovely colour uh, for the summer months. So any of the summer flowering varieties, particularly the light coloured varieties like Nelly Moser or Hagley Hybrid, which are bright pinks or striped foliage, would be very attractive. Uh, Rouge Cardinal is a nice red variety as well in the honeysuckle family. Everlasting Sweet Pea might be one. Uh, it's like the, like the common sweet, sweet pea, pea plant, yeah. but it's a perennial variety. Right. So it dies down at the end of the year and re-emerges every spring and it would use the ivy for support as well and flower right through the summer months as well. So uh, for scent, I would, I would consider the honeysuckles, clematis, and there are some scented varieties as well, but stick to the summer flowering varieties for colour, which will flower from June right through to September. And everlasting sweet pea would be lovely as well. Another great plant called Solanum alba jasminoides right so a jasminoides it's it's like it's jasmine like so it's got beautiful white flowers like a jasmine flower um solanum it's in the potato family oh so very easy to grow the flowers are actually like potato flowers, flowers but don't let say. that don't let that put you off okay right because it is a beautiful plant <laughs> yeah very long flowering uh doesn't suffer pests and diseases um and there's a lovely variety called glass nevin which was found in Glass in the Botanic Gardens. Ah, it's a lovely right. purple variety. So that's Solanums. They're in the potato family. Beautiful climbing plant. Starts to flower in June, stays in flower till September. And again, it would use the ivy for support and scramble up through it. Okay, so, so there's some good ones. Lots of options yeah. there. Uh, so hopefully this time next year you'll have some nice scent and flowers to go with the ivy. Right, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Porik is with us though for another 20 plus minutes or so. So if you do have a question, it's 0818 3055 this morning. <laughs> Okay, you're very welcome back. Uh, all sorts of questions. Lawns, Porig, they're yeah. always, always a difficulty or people frequently have questions now. I feel sorry for these people. The lawn got destroyed by cattle. Very happens very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, the soil, they're wondering, should the soil be very dry before the new lawn goes down and when is the best time to put in a new lawn? Well, well, now is a good time. Any time from now on, really. I mean, the grass seed will germinate once we get above 10 degrees Celsius and mm. we're, we're well, well into that at the moment. Um, <clears throat> having said that, with the, the heavy showers uh, we've we've experienced this week, you know, the soil should be workable. That's right. the really... So it can be moist. It doesn't need to be very dry, but it has to be workable. So you have to be able to till the soil or dig the soil or rotivate the soil. Now, if the cattle came in and just you'd done pock marks yeah. in the area, I would just repair those pock marks. Now, it depends how extensive it is and how badly they're damaged. But right. generally speaking, you would fill those pockmarks, uh, pat them back down, fill them with soil, with a mixture of seed through them and can do a repair job rather than trying to uh, do the entire new the lawn again. Okay. <clears throat> but it really depends how badly the lawn has been damaged. But in, certainly in terms of seeding new lawns, in preparing the soil for new lawns, putting in new lawns, now is the time. May, June is a great time to do it and you'll have an, an excellent lawn by August, September of this year. So I would advocate get out and get it done. Yeah. If the ground is very wet for a particular reason, then leave it for, for a week or 10 days. But uh, certainly if it's just a repair job, then... 
there should be no reason why you can't get out there now and re-see those areas um, redo those pock marks that the cattle have left yes, yeah. and the seed will germinate within about two to three weeks yeah, I know it, it's it, can bit, it can be a bit disheartening particularly sure, if you've had yeah. it at a really nice stage and yeah. things are you're just all you're going to do this year is mow the, mow the lawn uh, to have to go back and, and, and sort that out it. But, it uh, it, 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 but it does happen um, now there's a couple of questions on hydrangeas Porik okay. um, the weather I'd say as well mm. is having a bit of an impact here two people have hydrangeas uh, one is turned brown and the other are burnt with the wind and the frost and yeah. both wondering what should they do will they grow back well, the, the, the answer is they will grow back but I would give them a helping hand by putting mm. on um, some some sudden impact uh, shrub feed put that on now it's a granulated feed you shake it around the base of them and that will hydrangeas just by their nature are frost sensitive and if when the two come into, early, into leaf very early and as you know March was a we had two excellent weeks there of, of very high temperatures and of course plants were stimulated by that and came into growth early and hydrangeas are just one of those plants that are very very soft foliage so wind conditions will damage them and frost will damage them as well so that's all that's happened it's not that the plants have been uh, you know they've only been set back a good feed will rectify that and growth has been very slow right through April so you're not seeing any significant growth but I would feed them now they'll come back fine and uh, feed them again maybe at the end of June and hydrangeas are hungry plants so they do benefit from regular feeding Okay, right. It's not that you're going no, to No, no, you won't lose them. Really you won't lose them. Yeah. No, they'll come back fine. Okay, great. Seedling oak trees, yeah. uh, are they, they're getting smothered with weeds. How can they kill the weeds off? Well, it's a case of hand weeding because it right. wouldn't be safe to use a... Um, a weed killer on them so I would just um, again get out the garden hoe or you could lift you could gently lift this, the oak seedlings if they're if they're just scattered under the the, the mother oak or mm. under the you could lift them at this time of year even though they're they're, they're start coming into leaf mm. and gently plant them somewhere else either pot them into pots or plant them out into a ridge in the garden and let them grow on there right. they're very very slow growing so weeds are going to be a problem right. and you need to keep on top of them but there's nothing that you can spray on the area that's going to differentiate between the oak and, and the, weed. the weed. So my advice is really just hand weed it, keep it clean, or else lift those oak seedlings now, pot them up into pots and grow them on, uh, you know, in a, in, a, in a more controlled area, or plant them out into a ridge in the garden where, again, you can control the weeds. And plant the seedlings the width of the hole okay. so that it makes it easy to go just down through them and keep the, keep the, the thing tidy. Uh, but, but there's no weed killer I would advocate to use on them. You'll only damage, you'll okay. only eliminate the oaks. Is it difficult to grow oak? The, well, they're not, they're not difficult, but the, the seed needs to stratify. It needs to be in the soil for um, at least a year, if not two years. Um, so when you gather the, 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 the oak seeds, you, you sow them into... Remember that we had this, I think, a couple of weeks back where people were looking for, I think it was Cotoniaster or yes. holly. And what I would do is put them into a plastic bag into compost, uh, Put them out in the garden somewhere. Allow the winter, the frost to get at them because that's what breaks the dormancy in lots of seedlings. And you'll see the little oak seedlings then germinating within the bag. Right. And when you see that, you can simply put them into pots or trays and grow them on. Because they're so slow growing, weeds, of course, are going to compete with them very quickly. So you're often better off growing them in a more controlled environment in pots and trays or out into a specially prepared ridge where you can keep an eye on them and keep them. And, you know, you literally put the seedlings side by side. They can be very close together uh, for the first two years and just allow them to grow on. Okay. 
Great. Um, a Himalayan cedar has very yeah. little pins. What uh, is there a feed you can give? It yeah, this is that? one of the conifers. It's a it's an evergreen conifer, um, and it, you'll have a certain amount of leaf drop on on cedars anyway. But having said that, uh, this sounds like it has dropped a lot of its foliage. You do you do need to feed it now. They're coming into growth. There's a lot of fresh growth on cedars at the moment, but they will benefit from a tree and shrub feed. So again, I'd use a granulated feed um, and just apply it around the base of the cedar. Depending on the age, you want to keep it possibly two to three feet away from the base of the or the stem of the cedar and reapply that fertiliser then in about six weeks. And really, dear, I mean, I suppose that's a kind of a common theme mm. today, like feeding of plants. plants We're coming yeah. into that growing season and plants in general, it's been a tough spring. It's been a late, a, a very late spring this year. A lot of frost, a lot of wind damage on plants. So they will benefit from a general feeding. So I wouldn't necessarily just advocate it for plants that are struggling. Plants in general will benefit from a granulated feed applied now this time of year and reapply then um, around the middle of June. And that's when plants are actively growing over the next six weeks. And they start to slow down once we get into July. So really it's the next six to eight weeks that that it's important to feed trees and shrubs and hedges and those sort of general plants with a granulated feed. Okay, so if you gave, say... Chris, I'm asking this now on a personal level nearly, but uh, where we fed the hedging, for example, um, maybe four or five weeks ago, yeah. would we give it another feed at this I stage? I would. If you, give, if you fed it a month ago, that nutrition will be... It probably was of a little use, to be honest, through April because April was just such a cold yeah, month. Yeah, some of the plants would be a bit slow in my yeah. yeah. But yeah. now, actually, a lot of them are doing really well yeah. too. And, and they, they will respond now to, at this time of year. And to, the, Another, another to another bit. feed, yeah, yeah, because the feed will have been washed in over the April period. The nutrition is gone now. Whether the plants took it up or not obviously depends on, on the weather conditions. But things like laurels are very slow this year. They are, I mean, there's only a couple of inches of growth on them unless they're in a very sheltered area. Mm. And trees in general are very late this year. Hedges are late this year. So things are struggling. And of course, feeding them again now at this time of year, I would do it now and again about uh, the say the, about the middle of June in about right. a month's time. Okay, and that and that's enough and then that's for enough. the year. That's There's right. no need to to reapply. Okay, right. That's another job for this afternoon. Um, so we were talking about honeysuckles there a few minutes ago. Somebody's mm. wondering, is there an autumn flowering honeysuckle? Yeah, but there's a late variety called Gold Flame, which right. is a lovely variety. It's a two-tone colour, um, nice foliage colour as well. It'll come into flower in August and flower through till late September, October. So look for that variety. It's quite a nice one. Um, now, somebody has rose bushes. Uh, yeah. The leaves are looking wilted. Why would this be? Well, again, feeding again. Yeah, and roses are again. You know, if you're in, a, if you've got an open garden, there are they are are very sensitive to wind damage. They're very, very soft as they come into growth. So again, it's just a matter of um, if, if they're badly damaged, you could slightly tr- trim them back. And again, if you feed them, you're going to get lots of new growth as well. And again, it'll only have set the roses back by maybe 10 days to two weeks in terms of flowering. So don't worry about them. They'll come back into growth again. Um, and certainly the feeding will help on roses. Um, but do remember that, you know, the growth on plants. And I think this time last year, actually, in May of last year, we had a lot of wind damage uh, May, early June. If you remember the chestnut trees and, and a beach and so on were very badly damaged by wind. And that happens when plants have soft, young foliage. So roses and hydrangeas and many plants have that soft growth at the moment and can be very susceptible to wind and frost damage. Okay. Now, uh, is it too early to sow lettuce? Not at all. No, no. You can sow plants available to plant now and you can sow seed as well. And I would recommend doing both 
at the same time so that you have the trick with lettuce is to sow little and often and have them coming over a regular period so you know put in six or eight plants will be sufficient put in some seed as well the seed will take about 10 days to germinate out of doors 10 days to two weeks and you'll be eating that seed that lettuce from seed around the middle of june towards the end of june so i would plant some plants as well if you want some early lettuce say in in the first or second week of june but not at all same with all vegetable plants cabbage cauliflower broccoli Mm. uh, all of those can still be sown from seed and lettuce is very fast you know, it's very fast to germinate, very fast to grow on if the growing conditions are, are favourable. Um, and there's many different varieties. The salad, you know, there's oak leaf, mm. there's red leaf, the, the laurel rossa. So there's a, quite a variety, iceberg, if you like, the, the more the crunchy. crunchy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, it's a great time of year to sow the seed. You can sow the seed indoors if you wish, if mm. you want them even coming on faster. Right. Um, so, and again, lettuce is very... But remember, little and often, a pinch of lettuce seed will, will feed... You know, a good few. Absolutely. <laughs> and so so little and often, when you get the packet of seed, there's probably anything to three, four hundred seed in a packet. Right. So a small pinch is, will suffice. And redo that then, sow the seed again maybe three weeks later and have it coming on in batches. Right, so you'll have, you, you'll yeah. kind of have it all the time yeah, then throughout exactly, the summer yeah. if you want it. Um, Cape gooseberry shrub yeah. indoor. How do you grow them? Well, I would grow it outdoors, um, right. either in a container or plant it out in the garden. And now is a good time to do that. So mm. uh, pick a shelter spot in the garden uh, and just plant it, get a good quality compost, plant it into the garden now and it'll be perfectly okay or grow it in a large tub out of doors. Right, okay, very good. Now a couple of apple tree questions as well, Park. Um, first of all, apple trees that were planted in March and they're just starting to bud, they're not doing very well. Well, apples, the, the leaves on apples, um, apples are flowering their head off at the moment. They're yes. absolutely brilliant yeah. this year, flower-wise. Uh, so that's going to set, that's going to set the season up, I think, for a good fruiting year. But the leaves have been very late this year. Right. And again, it's just down to the cooler temperatures. My own apple trees are exactly the same. There's just a small amount of green foliage on them. So, you know, that's nothing unusual this year. Growth is slow um, and you're not going to get any significant uh, leaf growth until we get some warmer temperatures. So they're flowering. That's the most important thing. Let them bloom. Let the bees do their business. Um, by all means, give them a feed. No harm whatsoever. Okay. And the, the, the trees will be putting the energy into the blossom mm. anyway at this time of year. Mm. So once the blossom starts to set, you'll get, you'll get plenty of new foliage growth on the plant. So right. it's just an indication of the year, to be honest. And um, again, a granulated feed, a rose fertiliser would be actually very good for apples, something high in potash. So a rose feed is, okay. yeah. Yeah, somebody else, good. actually, you just touched on that. Somebody <coughs> else had made an inquiry as to why there would be no leaves, but it's just that things are a bit slow. And they are, yeah. they are this year. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Why does Campanula go to seed? Well, all, all plants will go to seed okay. and Campanula is no different. I mean, you know, the, the function of any plant, we often think it's to, to make our gardens look lovely, yes. but the function of any plant <laughs> is to, to reproduce yeah. itself. Okay. And so Campanula will go, to, will go to seed. It'll often go to seed early if it's dry or if it's hungry, um, which would be typical of a lot of plants. Um, and my advice, if what I would do with the to stop it from going to seed is once the flowers start to fade, is just to trim it back. Get yourself a small shears or a little light pruning shear and just as the flowers are going over trim it back and that will actually bring it back into growth again and bring it back into flower again so you're you're tricking the plant you're stopping it from producing its own seed and it triggers itself back into new growth and into trying to reproduce itself again so it 
you know, hey, hey Presto, you get a load of new flowers on the plant. So just as the campania is going out of flower, mm. trim it back and it'll reflower again. And plants like Aubretia, which will be similar in, in, in the campania is a rockery, but there's different varieties yes. of them, but they tend to be grown in rockeries. And um, things like like the Aubretia, which is going just going out of flower at this time of year, the lovely blue or mauve. Again, this is the time of year to start trimming it back. So once the flowers start to go over, then you take out the little hand shears and trim back those old flowers and a bit of foliage. The plant will respond by producing lots of young growth. Mm. So you're not allowing all the energy to go into the production of seed heads because they're of little use to you. So you're, you're getting the plant to put the energy back into producing nice green growth and it'll form a nicer, more compact plant and you keep the plant very tidy and neat. Okay. Now, somebody else is wondering, what could be eating the leaves of potato stalks? Well, it, it depends on the damage on potatoes, but certainly uh, flea beetle would be, would be a pest of, of, um, of potatoes. Um, it's a beetle that feeds on, on the leaf. It's a very shiny beetle. When you come close to the plants, he drops off the plant, so it, he's not easily recognised or easily visible. Oh, but right. the damage is very clear. It's where the, the, the leaves have been, small holes have been eaten in the leaves. Pin-sized holes are often larger, which can be destructive on the leaves. It can leave kind of little pinholes or little marks on the leaves. So something like bug clear would be safe to use on potatoes at this time of year. But to be honest, a small bit of insect damage won't, won't certainly hold them back. If it's significant, by all means, put a bit of bug clear and that'll see them off. Okay, great. And we're going to squeeze in one more. Um, somebody's wondering, can they cut down birch trees about a year ago? Or they cut down birch trees, right. I beg your pardon, about one year ago, but new roots keep coming up and is it possible to kill off the roots? You can indeed. And wait wait for them now to come into leaf. They've just come into leaf birch in general. So wait for maybe another week or 10 days. Allow plenty of foliage to come on them and use something, a systemic weed killer. So you can use um, Roundup to a good one called Brushwood Killer, Roundup Brushwood Killer, or something like 360, mixed in water, a little bit of detergent in with it and apply it to the foliage and that'll see them off. It'll actually kill the roots and all and, and get rid of the birch that way for you. Okay, great stuff. Sadly, that is all we have time for. Yes, Before we go though, Bloom. Well, Bloom, remember yeah. that we have that competition. We have some free tickets to give away to Bloom, which is on the June Bank holiday weekend. So simply go on to my website, which is gardencentre.ie and right at the bottom of the page, you've got the Bloom uh, panel. Just click on that and follow the instructions and we'll be giving out those tickets all next week. Okay. Um, also on the, on the website we have the blog so if people are looking kind of what are the hints and tips for this week in the garden just go onto the website as well click on uh, information and you've got all the jobs to do in the garden this yeah. week. Too, I think it's going to be a busy week for it. Yeah, Thanks indeed for, for all the advice and uh, we'll be back again next Saturday just after the news at 9 o'clock. That's my lot. Uh, stand by Michael Neary up after 10 o'clock. Until next Saturday good morning to you.